Thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, I am going to introduce this message uh, just telling you a bit about the story of our elder. He just finishes his race, he's with the Lord, and he's just enjoying him forever. But he had a, a, a very wonderful, a wonderful testimony of the grace of God working in his heart and in his life. Miguel was his name. So Miguel Trapero was a convinced Catholic until his wife and children started to attend the evangelical church in Granada. In the beginning, he will only take his family and he will stay outside of the building waiting for them. He believed in God, but in his way. One day, one day his wife, Pepe, invited the pastor and the wife and, and his wife to their home to visit them. Miguel agreed. And he was secretly rejoicing, thinking that he would come out of victorious from a theological confrontation that he already knew that he was going to face that day with the pastor. To his surprise, uh, his guests, guests arrived and talked about everything except the Bible. And he was just expecting these confrontations this the theological confrontation. He even felt disappointed because the meeting was coming to an end and there was no victory on his side. He even could speak with the pastor and just argue with the pastor. Already at the door, the pastor, before saying goodbye and in a very simple manner, prayed and saying that God so loved him, God so loved Miguel, that he gave his only begotten son, uh, son, so that if he believed in him, he would have everlasting life. Was quoting, quoting John chapter 3, verse 16. And those words penetrated in him um, like a sword, deep in his soul, deep in his soul. And the walls that he had built it, felt in second to ground and tears started to flow from his eyes. He understood his need for forgiveness, the saving grace of God and his everlasting love. His heart and his whole life were transformed at this moment. This was the grace of God. Just a simple prayer that the pastor prayed before leaving his home. He started to attend the church with his family. There were a happy years a couple of years of happiness with the family every Sunday, driving their car and going all of them to the church. But a few years later, he had a terrible accident. He was run over uh, by a truck and he lost his eyesight. In the hospital, he was infected with an with a illness of the liver and he developed diabetes. So this was difficult for him. He was just in his early 40s. It was one hard blow after another, but he still managed to be a powerful testimony of the living God to the amazement of and wonder of the hospital personnel, doctors and nurses that they were attending him. He was able to speak about God, to speak about and the love of God for him in such a difficult conditions. He was physically blind, but the light of God was shining in his every word and every action with amazing clarity of spirit. 
Also, he never stopped for a single uh, day helping and supporting, supporting the work of our church. So we appointed him uh, as an elder. He passed away. He finished his race. His race. His race was a difficult one. Our text from scripture that we read in the first three verses of chapter 12, Hebrew chapter 12, the first verses speak to us about a race. It's a Christian race. And it's not always an easy race. It's not always an easy race. Our text from the scripture for today talks us about the Christian race. And for Miguel and for many Christians, perhaps here and around the globe, this Christian race sometimes is a hard one. It's a difficult one. It's not an easy one. We are going to see four things in this text. First, there is a race, a race that we have to run. It's a wonderful race. Perhaps it's not the easiest one, but it's a wonderful race that we as a Christian must run should run. We see this, the second thing, the witness, witnesses. There are witnesses, there are people uh, watching us, people that have been an example for us in the past, in the present, right now in our congregation. They are an example. Miguel has been a real example for me. I was the pastor, but I was learning from him all the time because I knew that his life was more, more, more difficult than mine. But he just managed to testify about the love of God and the care of God, the care of God for him. So the race, the witnesses, and how should we run this race? And three things. Let us lay aside every weight. We have to lay aside every weight. The second thing, and the thing which so easily snare us, surround us. And the third thing is let us run with endurance, with patience, perseverance. And the fourth thing is the supreme example. We have a supreme example, a wonderful example. is Christ himself. His race was the most difficult one. Any of our races, even our persecuted brothers and sisters in Middle East, they are just running a difficult, very difficult race. But the most difficult race has been the race of our Lord. There was just an end, and the end was the cross. And he was God, was totally human and totally God. You know, was God running a race on our behalf. The end of the race was the cross and bearing our sin. So the historical context of this letter is a context of persecution. The apostle, sorry, I was going to say the apostle Paul, we don't know who wrote the letter, so sorry. The writer had in mind that these Hebrew people, they were under the persecution. And in chapter 10, verses 32 and 34, it's very helpful at this, at this point. And tell us about the former days when the first readers of this letter became Christians and they had a real baptism of fire. A real baptism of fire. Things have been extremely testing and they respond impressively. They respond well. They just keep going and they uh, kept the faith. They knew that what it means to receive a scorn and ridicule their property had been stolen and damaged, their life on risk. They have been willing to stand by fellow believers who were being persecuted. 
persecuted. So the race of the Hebrews, those uh, Hebrews, was not an easy one. We should not forget that the readers came from a Jewish background. And Christianity, their new faith, was very unpopular among his people and also the rest of the pagan Roman citizens. So Christianity was not popular, was very unpopular. Today, biblical Christianity is becoming more and more unpopular in Europe. In Europe, Christianity, to become a Christian, is just becoming more and more unpopular. And the influence of Christian faith is declining everywhere. If we look in, in Europe, in the places that were the origin of the Great Reformation, the Great Revival, we see that Christianity lost its influence in the past centuries. So the church and its beliefs are under the pressure of an increasingly relativistic secular society. So our race is getting more difficult to run, and the pressures and obstacles are getting bigger. Families facing problems of different kind, students face, facing the pressure in their universities, with, uh, you know, many philosophies, anti-Christian philosophies. Our churches are also under the pressure of a permissive society on moral and ethical issues. So we are under pressure. We have been pressed, you know, by the world around. So first, let's think about the race. There is a race that we have to run. It's not the first time that the Apostle Paul uses this metaphor of the race just to illustrate the Christian life. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and 27, do you know that those who run in a race all run but once receive the prize? Or in Second Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept my faith. Or in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, you run well, who hinder you from obeying the truth? It is a race that has been prepared in every single detail for us to run. It's a wonderful thought. Your race, my race, has been uh, prepared, has been prepared in every single detail. There is nothing that happened in your life, in the past, in the future, now, that God didn't prepare in advance. God loves us, God prepared a race in order for us to run and to get to the end. Because Lord, the God prepares everything for us. There is not an obstacle, trial, or difficult that is able to stop from running this race. We are promised to help, to persevere to the end. Every Christian race is different. And we, you know, we could give our testimonies and speak about our lives, and our lives are different. But every of our life has been designed by God. Our races have been designed by God. Everything that is happening knows, God knows it in advance. And God takes care of us. God loves us. His grace is sufficient for us. Every Christian race is different. Some must run facing health problems, family problems, unemployment, and in some countries even persecution. But all of us will get to the end by grace alone by the grace of God. 
in the work of catechism, Heidelberg Catechism. It's a wonderful document, old document, the Heidelberg Catechism. In the first question of the catechism, what, what is thy only comfort in life and death? What, what is the on, thy only comfort in life and death? That I, with body and soul, both in life and death, I am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior Jesus Christ, who, with his precious blood, has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation. And therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me to eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready to henceforth to live unto him. It's a wonderful statement. God is in control of our lives. God loves us. God is in his holy throne. Is sovereign. Nothing happens on earth if he don't wish that happen. There is no, this is not like any other race. The Christian race is not like any other race we might know from the sporting world. Sport races are all about competition and being better and stronger and faster than the rest. Only the best wins. But it's not like this in the church. We are not in a competition against each other. We are not just thinking who is going to be the best, who is going to run faster, who is going to uh, become first. No, we are just running, all of us, under the eyes of God, under the care of God, helping each other, supporting each other, praying for each other, comforting each other. When the days of the Apostle Paul were coming to an end, he didn't say, I arrived before the others. I was faster, I was better. No, he said, was the grace of God in me. He just stated, I finished my race. And this is what really matters, to finish the race. Finish that race. Not everybody who starts running a race gets to finish it. But Paul has and will hear the well done from his Lord and Savior. The metaphor of the race is preceded by a long list of men and women in chapter 11 who persevere to the end. So let's speak of the witness. Let's speak about the witness. I, as far as I understand this passage, it's not speaking this, the picture is not a picture of a stadium full of people shouting and encouraging the runners. This is not the picture here. Rather, the image used here is related to chapter 11 and with the number of those who were witness of the power of God in their life and of which God himself gave, gave a good testimony of them. Because they run, they race by faith. By faith. So it is a great encouragement for us, encouragement for us that we are not the only ones who have been running this race, going through many trials and difficulties. 
There are witnesses in the history of the church. And we are just celebrating this year the five cent centenary of the Reformation. Such a wonderful time that we can celebrate and remember the great Reformation, the great revival. Old Testament saints are our witnesses. We read the Old Testament and we see our, the saints of the Old Testament running the same race by faith alone. By faith alone. We can see the martyrs from the early church. They are our witness to the martyrs of the early church. Is that Martin Luther there? Is he a witness? Of course. Yes, he's Spanish martyrs. I see several rows of Huguenots and and upon rank of sober Scots Covenanters, and English faces too, Kramer, Tyndall, Banyan, Wesley, Whitfield, and many more. Among them are many unknown to history, people like us, unknown in history, but people that run this race from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue, all the world, all the church, universal church, are represented here. They are witnesses. They precede us. They are running like in this very moment with us, this wonderful race of faith. Do we feel encouraged when you think about the persecuted church? And I was really encouraged when you was this morning and today just mentioning the persecuted church. Because it's a great encouragement for us to think about them. To think that they are persevering even during those difficult uh, circumstances. Do, did, we know, or did we know that there are others in our congregation here uh, who are running the race facing illness, unemployment, opposition? I know that you are aware. You are aware that among you, there are, always pe- there are people that are face- facing and running a difficult um, race. They have to run a difficult race, so they are living and a living example for us. When I see someone, you know, fighting with an illness or unemployed and trusting, going, trusting in the Lord with joy in their life, I said, it's wonderful. It's a living example of the faith in God. He believes uh, in God, even his circumstances seem to be the uh, difficult ones. So do we pray for them? Do we need to pray for these brothers and sisters that are, they are running a difficult race? Do we comfort them? Do we imitate them in their faith? The writer desire of the letter of Hebrews is this. And we desire that each of one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not, you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. Every, every Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. How should we run this, run this race? How should we run? If there is a way of running this race, what is the way in which we should run this race? This race is not a short spring. It's not a big effort that we made and we stop and rest. No, it isn't. It isn't. It's not a rate in which we can make a big effort and then just rest. Not on the contrary. This is a long race. It's a long race. Like a marathon. 
like across country. It is long. There will be many obstacles in the way. Some of them will be seen almost impossible to overcome. But the Lord is with us. And the Lord uh, is going to help us. And he's going to help us in all the way. Therefore, it's an obstacle race. With hills and mountains to climb, rivers to ford, one needs patience, perseverance, and faith to go on and to complete the race. So we have to lie, lie, aside, so lie aside every weight. Um, I don't think that nobody is uh, mad, crazy enough to run a race with Wellington boots. I think that will be won't be, you know, a good way of running a race with Wellington boots, big boots, or with a heavy backpack or a big coat. The runners just, they run uh, light, you know, just with few clothes. We have to be as light as we come to be able to run. Jesus can take all our burden away. And sometimes we are heavy burden. We are just uh, carry on things that we shouldn't. We cannot solve things. We have to give it to the Lord. And we sometimes we want to carry all this burden, this stuff with us. And we so we run uh, slowlier instead of being running faster. So we should uh, look our lives and to think what are the uh, burdens that we carry on. Because we don't need to carry it. Never more. We can give it to the Lord. The Lord is going to take it us to take our burdens. We will run faster. He says, all you who are heavy burdened, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Nothing which hath weight is retained, but all but bare essentials, essentials must be uh, laid aside. We also have to learn to lay aside the sin that so easily snares us. And the question is here, what sin? What is, what kind of sin is this? Is this a specific sin? What is in the mind of the writer when, when he's writing to the Hebrews about this sin? In my humble opinion, in my humble opinion, I think that is the lack of faith. It's unbelief. Unbelief. Because you know the chapter 11 is there for a reason. And in the chapter 11, you have a list of names that they run by faith, through faith. That they look unto the Lord and their promises and the coming Messiah. And they run by faith, by faith. So I think that is unbelief. It's unbelief. In chapter 11, we are told that faith is the thing that keeps us running, that kept our brothers and sisters running. It's by faith alone. So by faith we understand that God created the world. By faith Abel offered sacrifice. By, fa- by faith Enoch did not see death. By faith Abraham obeyed. So this all died in faith. Opposed to this is the lack of faith. Is the sin that snares us. The, unforg- the unforgiving wave of unbelief. Unforgiving wave of unbelief. It paralyzes paralyze us and makes us unable to go on running. It's unbelief. It's unbelief. It stops us from running. And that leads us 
to the next aspect of the perseverance. We have to believe in God, to run by faith, believing in him. He's in control of every aspect, circumstances, and everything that happens in our life. We have to believe that he loves us and he cares for us. Belief, faith to run. But also perseverance. Let us run with endurance the race, the race that is set before us. The Apostle Paul is encouraging Christians to persevere and not to lose trust, not to lose confidence. Do not cast away your confidence. Chapter 10, verse 35. Because you have need of endurance. Verse 36. It, it, it is an, an action which requires effort, a pressing on to the end in spite of the difficulties. The Greek word for endurance also means patience. This is not a passive, a passive attitude. It's not a passive attitude. It's on the opposite. It's something that um, leads us to persevere, to be running, to be searching for the end of our race. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character. Romans chapter 5 verse 3. But if we hope for what we don't know see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Romans chapter 8 verse 25. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, perseverance. James chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. I know your works, your labor, and your patience. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. This race involves um, here uh, endurance, this sense of perseverance and endurance. The idea of persevering includes two main ideas or attitudes. Submission to the plan of God. We know that everything that God planned for our life is good. It's good. You know, when I spoke with Miguel and asked Miguel, how do you feel? You lost your eyesight, you have a lot of problems, health problems, how do you feel? And he told me, I know, sometimes I am struggling, some, some days are terrible days, but I know that the Lord designed my race. He wrote a book. He used to preach in our church. Because he has a small, he learned how to write in Braille. So he got a small computer. So he wrote in Braille the sermons, and after he has a, I don't know the, the word in English, no? So, and he could hear, because the computer translated what he wrote in audio. So he could preach, and we were benefit. And he told me, the Lord gave me a lot of opportunities. I am a living testimony. Wherever I go, I have opportunities about speaking the Lord. It's natural, because people tell me, what happened with your life? You, uh, have you been born? Uh, blind, you know, when what happened, what happened, and he was always giving testimony. So he understood that he, in his circumstances, he will be mightily used for the Lord. He will be used for the Lord and for the cause of the gospel. And he understood this and he used it every opportunity. Submission to the plan of God. What is happening in your life? I don't know what is happening in your life today or in mine. God is in control. God is in control. Everything that will happen is going to be for good. Everything works for good. Perhaps you don't see it now, you will see it later. Only if you don't see it later, you will see in heaven everything that happens in our lives.
is for good. The Lord is good with us. He's good with his people. So we submission to the plan of God in every circumstance. Nothing, nothing happened by chance. Nothing happened by chance. Everything is designed, wonderfully designed for our good. Going on undefeated, never turn back. A Christian is someone that goes on and on and on. Never turn back, turning back. Because no, we know where we go and we know who is with us. Is God is with us, who against us. So we go on, we press on, we run the race. And there is a supreme, supreme example. We are Christians because we are disciples of Christ. We follow him. We are committed to him. And what the Lord did on our behalf, his race was a wonderful race, but was very painful. was a difficult one. Much more difficult than the most difficult race human that human could run. The believer must look unto Jesus. We have to put and to fix our eyes on Jesus when we run. Not in our circumstances, not in the world around us, not in our contradictions, not in our sin. We look unto Jesus. We fix our eyes in Him. We have to look unto our Lord and Savior for help, help and grace amidst the storms of life. But I believe that this is not the primary meaning here. The text, the text is trying to convey us, convey to us here. It's rather that we should look unto Jesus as the supreme example of resistance and resistance to injustice, insult, and everything of evil. Looking to Jesus, which are, def- which are defini- definitive looking away from others and directing one gaze towards Jesus. I suggest that it suggests the impossibility of looking in two directions at the same time. If you are looking to Jesus, if you fix your eyes, on Jesus, you are not fixing your eyes on yourself, on your weakness, on your sin. You are not fixing your, your eyes on the world around. You are just fixing your eyes in the Lord. It's the best way to run. It's the only way in which we can run this uh, race. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the perfect and the supreme example of the faith we are to express. The author and literally means that he's the pioneer, the leader in the race of faith. He's the author or initiator of the faith since he opens the way to God and enables us to follow his footsteps. Jesus runs such a race and he finishes the course in spite of everything. In spite of everything, he pressed on, setting aside all that would have hindered him from doing the will of God. Being sustained by the prospect of what lay beyond it all. The shameful death of the cross and the snarling opposition of his foes were as nothing in comparison with the joy of heaven. In his struggle with sin, he shed his blood. And he was nailed on the cross. He thought of sitting at his father's right hand. Eternity was more real to him that time. What is the antidote to not losing heart or being discouraged? Three things. 
this race has been prepared for us to run and not to dismay, but finish it. This race has been prepared for us to run, not to dismay, but finish it. The second, there were and there are witnesses that inspire us by their example. Inspire us by their example. And there is a supreme example. Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is our example. So we have to fix our eyes in him. Consider, consider who endure, consider him who endure such, such opposition from sinful men so that you will grow weary and hard. Just I am finishing. You know, there is a sentence, something that Miguel told me. It's a wonderful thought. And I'm just finishing with this thought. Sometimes I told him, what is the thing that you miss the most? What is the most difficult thing? What is the thing that you will do if you will see? What is what you missed? No, being uh, blind. And he told me, look, the thing that I miss the most is to, to see the faces of my grandchildren. Because when he lost the eyesight, some of the grandchildren didn't born at that time. So, and he said, what I miss the most is to see the faces of my grandchildren. And sometimes just I put my hands and I try to, to, to figure out how they look like. But he told me, but you know what is encouraged, what encouraged me a lot? That when we, I, when I will open my eyes again, you know, what will be the first face that I will see? Will be the face of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think it's a wonderful. I think that we have to run the race with this in mind to see the face of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord help us.